I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Daniel Robinson was last seen on the morning of June 23rd, 2021. He was leaving his worksite in Buckeye, Arizona, driving his 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade. But on Tuesday, July 19, 2021, Daniel's car was found by a rancher approximately two and a half miles from the worksite in a remote part of the desert. With Daniel's car abandoned and no communications or sightings of Daniel since June 23, 2021, his family is fighting hard and working around the clock for answers about his whereabouts. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the story of the sudden disappearance of Daniel Robinson. At the time of his disappearance, 24-year-old Daniel was working as a scientist, a geologist for Matrix New World Engineering in Arizona. The achievement of his career is largely due to his ambitious nature and his strong work ethic. Daniel was born without one forearm, but he said no to prosthetics. At a young age, it was obvious that Daniel would have a determined spirit about him. While some looked at Daniel and saw a handicapped boy, Daniel never saw himself that way. He wanted to prove to others that his disability would not stop him from achieving his goals. During his youth, he threw himself into his interests, from musical instruments to football to weightlifting. And when college came around, he decided to study geology. This was perfect for him because of his analytical mind and his love and interest in nature. Along with his academic pursuits, Daniel was a social guy in college. He joined a fraternity, and he was taking advantage of what college life had to offer and the new experience of being away from home. He graduated from the College of Charleston with honors and with a career opportunity already lined up. He also found his own apartment in Tempe, Arizona. Daniel's father, David, who has been in the public fighting for his son day in and day out, has described his son as adventurous, an entrepreneur, and a dreamer with a brilliant mind. On June 23, 2021, in Columbia, South Carolina, Daniel's father, David, received a call from his daughter. She called him to tell him that Daniel was missing. His daughter told him that one of Daniel's co-workers showed up at her apartment in Phoenix, asking if she had seen her brother. According to a police report, 
Daniel had shown up to his worksite around 9 a.m. on the morning of June 23, 2021 in Buckeye, Arizona, west of the White Tank Mountains. According to this report, a co-worker of Daniel's reported that he was acting strangely, staring into the distance and, quote, talking about things that didn't make sense, end quote. After about 15 minutes, Daniel left, and he hasn't been seen since. At first, David tried to do his due diligence. He sent his daughter to Daniel's apartment and called his son's friends and Daniel's cell phone. But when he realized it had been six hours since Daniel had gone missing, David began to worry a lot. He felt like he needed to do more for his son. He felt like he needed to take quick action immediately because the police didn't seem to be moving as quickly as he would have liked. So David grabbed his belongings, threw as much as he could in his car, and he started the long drive to Phoenix. A missing persons report was officially filed the evening Daniel was last seen. I want to start by saying that from my research, it is evident that the relationship between the Buckeye Police Department and Daniel's father, David, is very contentious. As I tell Daniel's story, you'll hear a lot of allegations and assertions from David about how the police are handling Daniel's case. I thought it was important to include his statements because it could shed light on why Daniel has still not been found. I want to lay out all the information I know about this case from both sides and let you make up your mind. Throughout the search for Daniel, David was growing frustrated with the Buckeye police. David has said, quote, I'm very much disappointed with the police. I just realized I was inadvertently working for the Buckeye Police Department. As a father without the volunteers, I wouldn't be able to do this at all. I'm a father out here searching for my son, and they did a total of four searches, and they didn't even come up with the construction cone. End quote. David Robinson claims he previously relayed all his findings to the cops in real time, hoping it would help police get the ball rolling in the investigation. But he says he has stopped due to what he views as the police's lack of initiative. He has used the Gabby Petito case as a prime example of police properly using their resources, namely calling in the FBI, and how her remains were discovered not long after she was reported missing. David has noticed the stark contrast between the treatment of Gabby's case, the case of a young white woman, and Daniel's case, the case of a young black man. He mentioned, quote, I do not blame the Petito family. They have nothing to do with this. They lost a daughter. They have a young adult, same age group around my son, and they feel the same way. All I'm saying is, the cops had the resources there quickly. The Buckeye, it's like they're reluctant to use the resources, end quote. The Buckeye Police Department hasn't really commented on David's opinions on the treatment of his son's case. The Buckeye Police Chief has said, quote, Daniel's disappearance is heartbreaking. I understand the fear and uncertainty his family feels with every passing day. Detectives with the Buckeye Police Department investigate every lead in this case. I urge anyone with information to call our tip line. This investigation will remain open and active until we find Daniel, end quote. The police report for Daniel's case revealed that officials conducted a handful of searches for Daniel, including the use of a helicopter. It also dove into Daniel's mental state before he went missing, including the fact that David noted that his son's Instagram was scrubbed of posts before his disappearance. The report also focuses heavily on Daniel's reported fixation on a woman named Caitlin. This woman is apparently someone Daniel delivered groceries to while working a side gig for Instacart. 
He started this side gig with Instacart because his main job required him to put in expense reports for things like traveling to different sites and gas expenses. But while waiting for his reimbursements, Daniel still had to pay his bills. So he took up the side gig. On June 12th, 2021, Daniel received an order for Instacart to deliver some wine to a customer's house in Levine, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix. When he arrived, the person who answered the door was a young woman named Caitlin. She and her friends had been drinking that night. She and her friends also struck up a conversation with Daniel and they invited him inside. And apparently, Caitlin and Daniel exchanged numbers at some point while he was there. According to the police report, Daniel's sister told police that Daniel said he was in love with Caitlin and that she told him to listen to a podcast by spiritual leader and self-help author Eckhart Tolle that changed his outlook on life. I must note that according to David, Daniel's sister never said her brother was in love with this Caitlyn woman. According to David, Daniel told him that he met this young woman named Caitlyn and told him he was interested in her. David asked his son how they met. He told his father everything. He even shared that he spent the night at this woman's house. He then told his father that he left his portable canopy in her backyard and would have to come back at a later date to retrieve it. Daniel kept a canopy with him in his car for work to help keep the sun off him while working in the desert. All of this concerned David, as Daniel had just met these women and he was worried about his son's safety, so David began asking for more information about this woman, and Daniel answered what he could to reassure his father. According to David, Daniel made it seem like that night was just a friendly hangout, but after the first meeting, Daniel and Caitlin were in communication for about two weeks before he disappeared. Caitlin told police she had no relationship with Daniel, despite another friend of Daniel saying that Daniel told him he quote-unquote hooked up with one of the girls he delivered to, and that she and a friend invited him to hang out because they were drunk and he seemed quote-unquote harmless, since he was short and only had one arm. On June 14, 2021, at 7.19pm, Daniel texted Caitlin that he left his canopy in her backyard and he wanted to know when he could stop by to get it. He also told her that he enjoyed the podcast she sent him. Caitlin responded by saying he could pick up his canopy whenever. On June 16, 2021, Daniel went to Caitlin's house but left when no one answered. However, Caitlin knew Daniel stopped by because she saw him on her security camera. She texted Daniel and told him she was out but would be home that night, and she would leave the canopy outside her house before leaving for work in the morning for Daniel to pick up. During the investigation, Caitlin apparently told police that Daniel began to get creepy. According to her, Daniel was showing up at her house when she wasn't there and texting her that he loved her. When she told him to stop bothering her, he texted her one last time, the day before he went missing, saying, quote, The world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can, or we can, whatever to name it. I'll either see you again or never see you again, end quote. The police report clearly painted a picture of a young man scorned and perhaps depressed, a narrative that Daniel's father doesn't recognize as his son. David has had a hard time believing that his son is being portrayed accurately in the police report. David doesn't believe that his son is this obsessed person that the police report is making him out to be. He says he knows his son as level-headed and not likely to dive headfirst into things. And to David, in college, Daniel expressed interest in other girls, but it was never a problem then. So, why would it be now? 
According to David, the narrative that Daniel was not acting himself really upsets him and Daniel's siblings. He believed the police were reading too much into this idea that Daniel was disturbed, just on the basis of him staring off into space. If you remember, Daniel's co-worker mentioned that Daniel was staring off before he left the work site. But according to David, this isn't really a big deal. After all, sometimes we all have moments where we zone out, whether that's due to exhaustion or anxiety, but it doesn't mean that Daniel was deeply disturbed or troubled. According to Daniel's father, he didn't notice Daniel acting strange or out of his normal character before he went missing. In addition, Daniel met with his sister the day before he disappeared and she told police that Daniel was acting normal that day. The only thing that stood out to Daniel's father was a moment when Daniel asked David about love before he disappeared. You see, Daniel had never had a girlfriend, and so he was asking David for advice about his interest in a young woman, but this wasn't necessarily strange behavior to David because Daniel always asked for his father's opinion. The only difference was that this time it was about love. According to David, after police looked at everything in Daniel's phone, they gave Daniel's phone back to his father to keep. When David went to look through his son's phone, he noticed that almost everything was stripped from the memory card, from photos to text messages to phone calls. The only thing that remained in the phone was Caitlin's contact information. Not the messages, just her name and her number. David also alleges that the report of the text messages contains some suspicious inconsistencies. For example, he states that initially the report of the text messages showed the timestamp, the date and time, for when each message was sent between Caitlin and Daniel. However, he alleges that at certain points, the timestamps are no longer there. Instead, it simply states their names and what each message said, which, if this is true, I agree it is incredibly negligent and suspicious behavior from the police department. Dates and times are very important factors in any case, especially a missing persons case. These things just shouldn't be omitted from a police report. In addition, David alleges that what makes up much of the police report is actually coming from Caitlin. Allegedly, the police weren't pulling the messages directly from phone records. Instead, the messages in the report were only coming from Caitlin's point of view and memory about what transpired. They say this is because they couldn't get a warrant to pull anything from Caitlin's phone or Daniel's phone because it's technically not a criminal case. Basically, there's no probable cause to search anyone's phone. Even so, this isn't an excuse for the police department choosing to paint Daniel in the light that Caitlin is portraying to them. Why not include in the report the other information from those closest to Daniel who say that Daniel was not acting strange or isn't one to act creepy towards women? David also alleges that Daniel's phone records show that Daniel and Caitlin talked a lot more than what the police report shows. If this is true, then it would make sense why Daniel was expressing his feelings to Caitlin. It would mean that Daniel is not necessarily this lovesick, creepy guy, but was instead forming a real relationship of some sort with Caitlin, a relationship that seemed mutual. Not one-sided as the police painted in the police report. And unfortunately, the only phone records David could get his hands on were the times when Daniel and Caitlin messaged each other, not what was said in each message. According to David, the police don't have any of Daniel's phone records either. The only information they have, according to David, is from when David and his daughter were interrogated by police at the beginning of Daniel's disappearance. In this interrogation, Daniel's sister showed the police her brother's phone and scrolled through the messages as police read them from across the table. 
If this is true, this is incredibly shoddy police work. It seems incredibly obvious that obtaining Daniel's phone records would be a top priority for police. But according to David, the police department never asked for copies of Daniel's text messages at the very least. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On the weekend of June 20th, a few days prior to Daniel's disappearance, one of Daniel's friends from college named Luke came to visit him. According to the police report, Luke told police that Daniel was not acting odd. So, so far, we know that everyone closest to Daniel, his father, his sister, his friend from college, all said Daniel was not acting strange or out of character before he went missing. However, we have a police report that claims the behavior from Daniel toward Caitlin was strange and creepy. We also know that the police report details conversation and interactions with Roger, Daniel's co-worker, who met with him in the days leading up to his disappearance. In the report, Roger tells police that Daniel was acting strange because he had cut his hair after saying he wanted to grow it out, and because he was really quiet. According to Roger, Daniel and he also went to breakfast that day. The report says that Roger asked Daniel if he was having problems with a girl he was interested in. According to Roger, Daniel said he was interested in a girl, but she didn't know he existed. He also claims that Daniel asked him questions like, do you believe in miracles? And Daniel brought up God and religion. David believes that Daniel probably did talk about religion because that was the type of guy he was. He liked having those deep conversations, but David can't confirm the comment Daniel allegedly made about some girl not noticing him. Based on surveillance footage, Daniel arrived at a Waffle House in Tempe, Arizona at 6.02 p.m. on June 22nd. According to Daniel's sister, who lives in Phoenix, 
she received an emergency text message from Daniel soon after he arrived at the Waffle House. They apparently have this emergency text system between them, as they are the only two siblings in the family that live in Arizona. The system is that they text each other a code word whenever something goes wrong so they know it's an emergency. Daniel's sister was worried about the message, so she called Daniel, but when he wouldn't pick up, she immediately called her father, David. Daniel's sister went to Daniel's place to see if he was there, but his car wasn't outside and he wasn't home. But soon after, Daniel arrived and his sister was there asking him questions about where he was and why he used the emergency text. According to David, Daniel told his sister that it was just to see how fast she would act if something happened. And this really stood out to me. This is purely speculation, but what if Daniel did this emergency text that night with his sister because he was worried that something was going to happen to him soon? Perhaps he knew someone was after him and he wanted to make sure that if he needed help, his sister would take it seriously and come help him. When police interviewed the server at Waffle House who waited on Daniel, she told police that Daniel seemed skittish, out of it, and off, that he didn't respond when she tried to make conversation with him. According to her, she had seen Daniel at the restaurant before, but that day Daniel's behavior was different. But David refutes this, claiming that Daniel told him that he had only been to that Waffle House that one time and he was not a regular customer. In addition, David says that during his own investigation into his son's case, he discovered that the Buckeye PD received a videotape that showed his son at the Waffle House for some time before he left the restaurant. But the police department never gave David a copy of the tape when he asked for it. Instead, they offered still pictures from the video surveillance. However, there are portions from the tape where David has not received still photos. His own team is investigating those gaps. According to David, there are indications that the video might show that another person was there with Daniel at the Waffle House. The Buckeye PD said that Daniel left the Waffle House at 7.10 p.m., but David says there is more to the story. On June 23rd, the day he disappeared, Daniel met a coworker he was meeting with for the first time at a worksite in a remote location in Buckeye. This was Daniel's first time at this location. They were there to test groundwater in a well. According to the police report, this is the timeline for Daniel on the day he disappeared. At around 6.26 a.m., Daniel left his home in Tempe and drove to a Shell gas station in Buckeye. Surveillance footage from the gas station showed Daniel was there from 7 a.m. to 7.03 a.m. According to Daniel's bank statements provided by Daniel's family, Daniel bought $3.83 worth of gas. This struck Daniel's father, David, as odd since Daniel drove an SUV. Why would he only get about $4 worth of gas, even if he almost had a full tank? To David, this just wasn't something Daniel ever did. It is important to note, Buckeye PD would not release the surveillance footage from the Shell gas station to Daniel's family. So after the stop at Shell, Daniel stopped by a job site about two miles south of the gas station and took two photos of some work logs. It's not exactly known when Daniel left this work site. At 8.10 a.m., Daniel sent a text message to his coworker, then he eventually headed in the direction to the second job site. At approximately 9 a.m., Daniel arrived at the job site. He met his coworker and they decided to wait out the rain before getting to work. According to the coworker, the two started a conversation about the weather and the job ahead of them. But soon, Daniel started acting strange. 
he was staring off into the desert with a distant look in his eyes. According to Daniel's co-worker, Daniel asked him if he wanted to rest in Phoenix. This confused Daniel's co-worker and he wasn't sure what Daniel meant by this. The co-worker claims that after only 15 minutes at the job site, Daniel got back into his Jeep, waved goodbye to his co-worker, and drove off without saying anything. At around 9.15am was when Daniel was last seen. However, according to David's own investigation into Daniel's disappearance, the timeline of events in the police report is way off. He says he knows this because of the timeline the co-worker told him when they met soon after Daniel disappeared. The last person who saw Daniel, his co-worker, was never taken to the police station and questioned by police. David's trust in the Buckeye PD dissipated even more when Daniel's 2017 light blue Jeep Renegade was found by a local rancher three miles from his work site. In addition, found on the ground next to the car was what appeared to be his clothes and his wallet, and his phone was still in the car. Police tried to access the Jeep's GPS system, but they weren't able to get any information from it. The reason why is not entirely clear from my research. Police and Daniel's family also checked local hospitals looking for Daniel, but they found nothing. Police claim they've launched a helicopter to search the desert and deployed officers to do a ground search. However, David questions if this search really happened based on information from someone who was part of the search party who claimed they didn't see or hear a helicopter. According to David, the police told him that Daniel may have wanted to leave his family and his life to become a monk and to join a monastery. They based this on Daniel's new interest in the teachings of Eckhart Tolle, from the podcast Caitlin shared with him. But David has remained adamant that his son was a geologist, a scientist, that his son is smart enough to know that if he wants to disappear, he would need money and other essential items. To him, it just doesn't make sense that his son would attempt to disappear without at least taking money with him. As the relationship and trust with Buckeye PD began to wither, David enlisted the help of Jeff McGrath a former cop and vehicular crimes investigator, to take a look at Daniel's car. When McGrath saw a photo of the car, it immediately struck him as strange because he believed the damage to the vehicle didn't match the location it was found in, a desert ravine. According to the police report, the Jeep had suffered significant damage consistent with a front impact that caused it to roll. Not to mention, the front window was shattered, and there was substantial damage to the lower front, as well as the windshield and roof. McGrath was skeptical of the roll theory, so he obtained the car's black box. Having access to the car's black box allowed him to verify that the car was going about 30 miles an hour before the airbags deployed. This sent up alarm bells for the PI, who used his own vehicle to see if that speed was possible in the rugged terrain of Arizona. His experiment determined that it was not. Also, the car had traveled 11 miles after the airbags were deployed, which isn't normal. After a collision, where the airbags deploy, many newer cars will automatically shut off power for safety reasons. So why wasn't this the case with Daniel's 2017 Jeep? Even if we say there was a malfunction with the car, why would Daniel keep driving with the airbags deployed? Why wouldn't he pull over, even if for a brief moment? Why would he travel for 11 miles with airbags deployed? To McGrath, this experiment only raised more suspicions. He was curious if the vehicle was truly crashed there by Daniel or somebody else. He wondered if it was possible that the car crashed elsewhere. Police eventually did their own investigation into Daniel's car in November 2021. 
Their investigation took place months after McGrath's, and this report disputed McGrath's findings. The report concluded that the car attempted to drive up the other side of the ravine and rolled, and those extra 11 miles? Well, the report answered this question with, quote, Similar discrepancies have been noted by Jeep dealership service departments and other crash reconstructionists, end quote. Basically, this factor isn't entirely odd or uncommon, according to specialists from Jeep or other crash experts. But that still doesn't explain why Daniel would drive his car 11 miles with the airbags deployed without stopping once. Unless, of course, maybe he was trying to run away from someone. However, McGrath isn't buying into the police department's conclusion about the car. In particular, he is frustrated with the timing of the report, saying, quote, What it says is that they hired an expert to rebut my findings, not really looking for what happened. That's concerning. End quote. In his opinion, he believes the Buckeye Police Department just doesn't want to look bad. What's more, P.I. McGrath claims that some of the most significant findings in the police report have been his and David's work, not Buckeye PD's, including the discovery of human remains. The first discovery was a skull discovered on July 31st, near where Daniel's Jeep was found. The medical examiner determined that it wasn't Daniel's remains, as it was significantly older than just a few months. And on November 6th, David and McGrath's search parties uncovered even more remains. Two human femurs, hip bones, and vertebrae. But again, the medical examiner confirmed that they were not Daniel's. Jeff McGrath estimates that they have found at least four human remains found in their search, but can't say if they belong to two or more people. McGrath, the PI David hired, actually had his own theories about what happened to Daniel. He thinks it is possible Daniel, who was an avid marijuana user, smoked a PCP lace joint and crashed his car. He thinks this scenario could explain Daniel's weird behavior before his disappearance, the awkward staring and rambling. Although Daniel smoked marijuana, there was no evidence of it in his car. Another one of his theories is that Daniel was simply tired after a long night of gaming. Before Daniel disappeared, he was building his own computer, so McGrath suggests that Daniel, tired and sad about being rejected by Caitlin, drove into the desert to rest where he met, quote-unquote, the wrong person. According to a report by Brenna Ehrlich for Rolling Stone, David doesn't know what happened to his son, but he says, quote, I don't believe that my son wanted to be away from his family. My theory is more geared towards somebody did something to my son or somebody knows what happened to my son and is not saying anything. I don't think my son wrecked his vehicle, got out on his own accord, took his clothes off, and just walked off and survived out there in the desert somewhere. I don't believe that." Unquote. David acknowledges that not everything in the police report is wrong, but he does claim that there are missing details, important details, and that the report is one-sided. Over a year later from when his son disappeared, David is still in Arizona, searching the desert for his son and uncovering even more mysteries in the process. He has continued to find human remains, but none that have been identified as his son. Since his disappearance, David has thrown himself into the search for him, setting up the Please Help Find Daniel Robinson website and organizing numerous searches. David is doing a lot of the work that Buckeye PD should be doing with the help of volunteers. I recommend checking out the website to learn more about the circumstances of the case and investigation, and also to see how you can donate if you feel inclined. The website for Daniel reads, quote, Our next goal is to continue pushing forward to find out what happened to Daniel, even if it means no help from law enforcement. 
we will continue to seek support from anyone who wants to help. We won't settle for the minimum amount of searches and support sworn law enforcement officers and detectives are giving Daniel's case. The way that Daniel's case was handled from day one by law enforcement can easily cause him to become one of the many missing without ever having answers. End quote. The amount of work, time, money, and energy that David is putting towards the search and private investigation into his son's disappearance is proof of his deep love for his son Daniel. It's truly amazing that he's been able to provide other families with resolution to their loved ones' missing person cases as he stumbles upon remains during the searches for his own son. However, I hope that one day, he too can get the answers he needs. Daniel is described as being 5'8 and weighs about 165 pounds. He has black hair and brown eyes, and he's missing part of his right arm from the forearm down. Anyone with information on Daniel's whereabouts is asked to call the Buckeye police at Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 